0: Hello, everyone, and Happy Easter. Today and every day, we celebrate the victory that is ours through the resurrection of our risen Savior. I'm Colin, and our theme this Easter season is Christus Victor, the victory of Christ. On that first Easter morning, Christ's resurrection was monumental. Through that one act, Jesus freed us from the power that held us in bondage. As Pastor Brian Brosen tells us, because of Jesus, we now have victory over sin, Satan, and death. Christ's victory is a peace for those who believe. You know, there, in some ways, I just think that there's, there's nothing quite as powerful as just sometimes just reading the text just like we just did and, and letting, it, letting it just speak to us. This is, this is God's Word. This is... The record of those events that truly happened so I want to turn our attention this morning to the theme that we have uh, adopted for this season and that theme is Christus Victor and I'll give a little background to that in just a moment. But the passage, or or the, the few verses that I want to kind of focus on from the passage we just read, are just verses 19 through 20. And let me read it again. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So oftentimes, um, I myself might on this day, um, take some time to put forth, um, you know, kind of a defense for the faith. Um, not everybody believes that this account is true. Lots of people say, oh, well, this is just mythology and so forth. And, and many times over the years, I uh, would, like I said, take, take some time to kind of set forth Many, many reasons why we should have complete confidence in this account. Uh, I'm not going to do that today. I just, I just want to to just let the story speak for itself. But we want to, as I said, we want to look at this theme that we have had uh, running through uh, these these holidays, beginning on uh, Good Friday, and right on through. To this morning, the theme of Christus Victor or the victory of God. That, that is really the meaning of the term. So you've, you've no doubt noticed that this is our theme. And this, this term, Christus Victor, it is actually taken from the title of a book that was published in 1931 by Gustav Allen. And in the book, the author shows that many of the early church theologians, names like Irenaeus, Athanasius, Chrysostom, Augustine, Gregory, and others, many of them understood Christ's death and resurrection as the means through which God defeated the powers that hold mankind in bondage, the powers of sin and Satan and death. So when you get into the world of theology, there are different theories, if you will, on just you know, what exactly happened when Jesus died. And rose again. And there are a number of things that I think the Bible teaches us. But one of the things that the Bible absolutely teaches us is this here. That in his death and resurrection, Christ conquered sin and Satan and death. Sin conquered or Christ conquered those things that have been the bane of our human experience. And so what I want us to do is I want to look at Christ's victory over each of these, and I want to look at how his victory is our victory. And so Christ is victor. Christ is victorious over First of all, sin. Jesus conquered sin. I love the the line in the Charles Wesley hymn. It says, he breaks the power of canceled sin. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoners free. What is sin? You ask the average person on the street today what is sin; they would probably say, "I don't know." I, I, you know, they they might have a few ideas about what sins are, but what is sin? Well, sin is a powerful and destructive principle working in every human being, inclining us toward what is wrong and hindering us from doing what we know to be right. Sin is the root source of everything that is broken in the world. Mark that. Sin is the root source of everything that is broken in the world. From your life and my life to all of those other broken things that we see across Uh, people groups and nations and all of that all of the brokenness has its root cause in sin I think you received um, a handout when you came in this morning the, the the newspaper that our team came up with I think it's really a great thing and you'll enjoy reading it the other morning I read through it and just was blessed. But in the the first article in our handout, it says this. It says, Sin has caused us to be bent in on ourselves, sabotaging our own lives and often hurting the ones we love most through our selfishness. We are trapped in our sins like the addict who simultaneously hates their behavior, but is powerless to break free from it. That's, that's the experience of sin. And on some levels, that, that behavior is, is radically destructive. And on other levels, it, it doesn't appear to be as destructive, but ultimately it will prove to be. The Apostle Paul expressed this, uh, this universal dilemma like this. In Romans chapter seven, he said, he said, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. This is the dilemma. How many of of you have ever just had that experience? Why am I doing this? I don't want to do this. But yet, we find ourselves doing it over and over and over again. And Paul is really describing, again, this is the human dilemma. And Paul cries out, what a wretched man I am. And then he asked this question, who will rescue me from this body of death? How can I escape this? Is there any way out of this? Paul is asking this question. In a sense, it's rhetorical because he knows the answer. And he then goes on to give the answer. He says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see, and this is what Jesus does. He delivers us. He breaks the power of canceled sin. How how did Jesus destroy sin's power over us? Well, again, Paul tells us in Romans, in the eighth chapter, he says this. He says concerning Christ, he says he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. Notice that, the likeness of sinful flesh. Jesus looked just like everybody else. Everybody's a sinner. Jesus looked like a sinner, but he wasn't. But he came in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And in that, he condemned or judged sin in the flesh. See, This is something that is a little bit deep to consider, but we need to think about it. You see, the Bible says, again, Paul says it earlier in Romans, the wages of sin is death, but Jesus has no sin. Sin has no claim on Jesus. The only way Jesus could die is to will to die. We do not die uh, as an act of our will, we have no power over death. Death has power over us. But Jesus, because he's sinless, death has no, uh, no claim on him. So his death condemns sin. In that, his sinless body absorbs the blow of sin and destroys sin. Sin. You see that's that's what that's what Paul is talking about here. His sinless body absorbs the blow of sin and destroys sin and breaks its power over us. And so Paul says in the 11th verse of Romans 8, he said, "If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life or you could think of power to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. This is how Jesus broke the power of sin over our lives. He took sin up into his body, but his body was not destroyed by sin. He destroyed sin. And that destruction of sin, he brings to us who have put our faith in him through the spirit of god who lives in us. And so that power of sin that that sin that binds us that sin that that causes us to do the things that we don't want to do that power is broken. He defeated sin. He is victorious over sin but he's also victorious over another foe and that foe is satan he's victorious over satan now understand that that sin satan and death they're all they're they're all wrapped up together you know it's it's in in some ways it's like they are a trinity you know the the god of the bible is is a triune god father son and holy spirit And although they're distinct, they're inseparable. But but these things here are, in a sense, like that, in that they're they're all linked together. Sin and Satan and death are all wrapped up together. They make this this, uh, great force that is working against us. We read of Satan and the devil he's also called the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire now this is a this is talking about the future but think with me for just a moment about satan here's what the bible says about satan the bible refers to him as a murderer from the beginning he is the father of lies The destroyer, the deceiver, the tempter, the evil one, the wicked one. The one who brought sin and death into God's creation. So you see the connection. Satan is the one who brought sin and death into God's creation. The one who oppresses, afflicts, torments, and takes humans captive to do his will. These are all things that the Bible says about Satan. But it also says that Satan is the one whose work the Son of God came to destroy. Now, when we talk about the destruction of sin, we talk about the destruction of of Satan and ultimately about the destruction of death. We are talking about the cross and the resurrection, just understand this. The, you know, sometimes people get hung up on, um, well, you, you know, you're just talking about the cross and victory through the cross and all of this. What about the resurrection? Well, just, it's a simple thing. Understand, the cross and resurrection are two sides of the same coin. They're inseparable. If there's no resurrection, then the cross means nothing. The cross means what it means because of the resurrection. So, again, in the pages of the New Testament, we're told about this victory of Christ over Satan. In Colossians, the letter to the church in Colossae, Paul the Apostle, again, he says this. He says, Christ canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, listen, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. When Jesus was dying on the cross, he was defeating these spiritual powers and authorities. These are references to this host of evil spirits that are under the direct uh, authority of this person, Satan but they were defeated at the cross. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 14 and 15. This is one of my favorite passages. It says this. It says inasmuch as the children that's us have partaken in flesh and blood he himself Christ shared likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy the one who had the power of death, that is the devil. And release those who through fear of death were all their lives subject to bondage. The devil was defeated at the cross and we await the final day of his destruction. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not at him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. And that's what the Bible says, that when Christ comes in glory, that it will be by the breath of his mouth that he will destroy the evil one. Once and forever. But the death blow has already been dealt to Satan. So Christ is victorious over sin. He's victorious over Satan. He's victorious over death. And that's what we are really focusing on today, isn't it? As we think of Jesus. Up from the grave he rose with a mighty triumph or his foes. I mean, you know, this, so this idea of Christus Victor, as I said, this comes from a book written in 1931, but what it is, is it, it's going back into the earliest uh, centuries of the church where there was this understanding, and this was very prominent for about the first thousand years of church history, That what Christ did first and foremost was he defeated these powers. The theory was called the ransom theory. That Christ ransomed us from the power of the grave. That Christ ransomed us from the power of sin. And this this is true. And... As, as time went on and, you know, further on in history, other theologically-minded people came along, and they started to emphasize some of the other aspects of the atonement, like the substitutionary uh, death of Christ, penal, sub- penal substitution, meaning that Christ uh, paid the penalty for our sins. And and so a big emphasis was put on penal substitution, which is Legitimate, because penal substitution is what the Bible teaches. But in in kind of emphasizing penal substitution, this idea of the ransom theory or Christus Victor was, was sort of a little bit pushed to the side. But you can't really push it to the side. I mean, theologians sometimes do that because they focus in on little things and then they kind of ignore other things. But when you come back to the Bible, the Bible is teaching us that Christ is victorious over these things. And I love this passage, one of my favorite passages from the Old Testament, Hosea. God is speaking, and listen to what he says. Hosea chapter 13, verse 14. God says, O death, I will be your plagues. O oh, grave, I will be your destruction. God declared war on death in the grave. God the Son is the warrior. He's the mighty one who comes to conquer. Death, the enemy of all mankind, the shadow cast over all people, the great spoiler of life has been spoiled. The great spoiler of life has been spoiled. In the book of Revelation, the apostle John, who wrote this gospel, writes of his vision of the glorified Christ. He says this. He says, I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man Clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool. As white as snow, his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth when a sharp two-edged sword And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and I have the keys of hell and death. Wow. Jesus defeated sin, Satan, and death. Christ is the victor. And here, I I just I just love this is verse 18 of of Revelation chapter 1. Jesus is declaring. John sees him in all of his magnificence, all of his glory. He falls down at his feet, is dead. Like Jesus has to remind him of who he is. I am he who lives. I was dead, but I am alive forever. And that's what happened. On that morning, that first day of the week, Jesus rose from the dead as the first fruits, as the first one who would rise to never die again. And he gives that victory to those who have put their trust in him. Now, some would say, if that's so. What about people dying all around us? What about those children and adults that died in the shooting recently at that Christian school in Nashville? Or others might say, but but if that's true, my, my loved one, my friend, what what about those that, that I've lost? Well, listen, they're not dead they are not dead jesus said if you live and believe in me you will never die now we say oh, but they're but they're dead no they're not dead we need another word actually the new testament uses another word you know what it is they're asleep that's the word the new testament uses they're asleep they're not dead Their bodies have temporarily ceased living, just like the body of Jesus ceased living during the three days and three nights he was in the tomb. But their spirits are present with the Lord and will one day be reunited with their glorified bodies. Just as Jesus' spirit was reunited with his body. A glorified body. You know, this shooting I referred to is still pretty fresh in most of our minds, I would imagine. And you might have heard there were three children, nine-year-olds, and then three adults that were killed in this shooting. And one of the children happened to be the, the daughter of the pastor of the church where the school was. And I read a little, just a statement from the family. And they said they are holding on to the truth that their daughter is not dead. But she's with the Lord. They, they've, that's where they're putting their hope. She's with the Lord. And we will be with the Lord one day. And we will be together again. You know, this is the reality of the resurrection. This is where it hits home for every single one of us. Because death is around us. Death is in the air. It's inescapable. And what happens when it strikes? Where do we go? What do we do? What do we think? Well, Jesus said, if you live and believe in me, you'll never die. The victory of Christ is peace to those who believe. Think about these disciples. On the one hand, this is the worst couple of days of their entire lives. Undoubtedly, the worst couple of days in their entire lives. Think about three years they've been with this man. They've been with Jesus. They've seen him do things that they only Imagine, they they read about it in their scriptures. They heard about God parting the Red Sea and Moses leading the people out of Egypt. And they heard about these wondrous things that happened. But they'd never seen anything like that. And they certainly had never seen any individual person like Jesus. And they, by their own testimony, they said, we had hoped that he was the one to deliver Israel. This is post-crucifixion. Pre-resurrection. We hoped. Well, it wasn't pre-resurrection because they're saying this stuff to Jesus who's raised from the dead. They just don't know it's Jesus. But think about that. Their world is just completely rocked. Just what, what are they? We see it with Mary coming to the tomb, to this man, Jesus, he delivered her. He saved her life. She was possessed by demons. He brought her out of that. He broke Satan's power over her life. And now, all of that has been shattered. But, everything turns around. As Chart said in the sunrise service this morning, In just a minute, everything went from despair and hopelessness to absolute elation and total hope. It all switched. And so I love this portion. All of these events that have happened on this first day of the week and on the evening. Some people have seen Jesus. Some people haven't. Everybody's talking about this. Some are still wondering, could this be true? This can't be true. No, they're hallucinating. They're delusional. They're just wanting something to have happened. But there they are. They're gathered together in that room, and Jesus appears. Notice it just adds this, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. How did Jesus get in the room if the doors were locked? Well, what's being implied here is that he just appeared. He appeared to them in the room. And what are the words that came from his lips? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And when we realize that Christ is victorious over sin, when we realize that he has defeated the prince of darkness, when we realize that he has conquered death, what does that do? What is that intended to do? It's intended to give us peace. It's intended, and, and, and these I'm sure it's like these guys at this point, they're like, wow. We don't have a care in the world. What could we possibly be worried about or fearful of? Jesus conquered death. The great enemy, the ultimate enemy. And if Jesus conquered the greatest enemy, then... Anything less is, why even worry about it? Peace be with you. The message of Christus Victor is a message of peace for us. The victory of Christ is victory for me and victory for you and victory for all who believe. Victory over the power of sin. We're no longer, we no longer have to be bound to those things. He breaks that power. And those who have received him, you know that. You know he's broken that power. Doesn't mean you don't sin. It just means that you're no longer chained to those sins. And one day there won't even be any trace of them in your life. He's defeated the devil. And it doesn't mean that the devil isn't still roaming about looking to devour, but it does mean that he has nothing on us. Just as Jesus said of himself, the devil has nothing on me. He has nothing on you. As Luther said, the prince of darkness grim, we tremble not at him one word from the Lord will fell him. And so it is with death. Death has been defeated. I do wonder so often, and I've done many services over the years where I've stood alongside of a casket and before a group of people Many of them not believing in Jesus and wondering, what do they think? How do they deal with this? What about the reality that one day there will be a casket like that and they will be in it? That's the reality. But Jesus has crushed that. Oh death, I will be your plague, oh grave, I will be your destruction. And that is the hope that we have today, the confidence that we have today. I was listening this week to a a podcast, and uh, there was an interview with a, a woman theologian. Her name is Fleming Rutledge. She's 85 years old. She's been thinking, she said this, she's been thinking about the death and resurrection of Jesus since she was 13. She wrote a 600-page book on the crucifixion. Took her 20 years to write it. But she said this, and it was so powerful. She said, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, we would have never heard of him. And I thought about that. I thought, wait, is she right? Let's think about that. Jesus was Jewish or Israelite. Uh, He was, you know, part of this people that had in their history miracle workers like Moses, like Elijah. Jesus did similar things, but the difference between Jesus and the others is that the people rejected Jesus. And so as, just as I thought about it, I thought, I think she's right. I think she's right. Had Jesus not risen from the dead, his name would have been erased from history. We never would have known that there was a Jesus. Jesus who did a few things, maybe miraculous things, but he also said crazy things because he said he was going to rise from the dead, and he didn't. So it just would have died out. It never would have gained any momentum. I mentioned this on Friday. Another astounding thing. Out of the tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of people that were crucified in the ancient world, we have one record of crucifixion. One, and it's the crucifixion of Jesus. So how is it that here we are in, what year is it? 2023, 2023, yeah. It goes by so fast you forget what year it is. And, And here we are, sunrise this morning. Hundreds of us out there. Praising Jesus. This makes zero sense if Jesus isn't who the Bible says he is. Makes no sense whatsoever. (laughs) Like I said, if he didn't rise from the dead, we wouldn't even know that he ever lived. But we do know that he lived because he did rise from the dead. So this is the victory of Christ. it's victory for me, it's victory for you, it's victory for all who put their faith in Jesus, but it's so much bigger than that. What Jesus did through his death and resurrection, again, we heard this earlier, have cosmic ramifications that were seen ever so faintly On the first day of the week. See, because this whole thing that John is telling us about in this account of the resurrection of Jesus, there's all kinds of things that are connecting us to other things in history. And again, Char shared with us the G.K. Chesterton quote, and I want to do the same. And close with this so we can see the big picture. Because this, of course, means something to us personally. That is a very huge part of it. As Jesus said to Mary, go tell them that I am ascending to my God and your God. To my Father and your Father. That's the personal connection. But Chesterton said this. He said, on the third day, the friends of Christ coming at daybreak to the place found the grave empty and the stone rolled away. In varying ways, they realized the new wonder. But even they hardly realized that the world had died in the night. What they were looking at was the first day of the new creation with a new heaven and a new earth. And in a semblance of the gardener, God walked again in the garden in the cool, not of the evening, but of the dawn. There is a reason, there is a thread Go back to Genesis, the very beginning of the creation and see God and those he made in his image. The man and the woman walking together in the cool of the evening in the garden. But then we see that all of that was lost through sin. But on this morning... Jesus in the Garden is showing us the new creation. It's all being renewed. The new creation and Christ is the first fruit of that new creation and those who trust in him will participate in it. And we begin today by having his spirit, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, take up residence in our lives, in our bodies. And we begin to live that new creation, that new life that will go on eternally into the glorious new creation that will one day come. And so, Lord, we thank you for your victory. Your victory that is our victory. And, Lord, I would would pray today for every one of us here, Lord, that these truths that are so astounding, that so easily slip from our minds because of all the other Stuff that we're so often consumed by. Lord, may we find ourselves thinking about, meditating on, and going deeper in our experience of your victory. Your victory over sin and Satan and death. We thank you, Lord, that that is our victory. And, Lord, I pray if there's a single person with us today that is yet to enter into the new thing that you have brought about through rising from the dead, pray, Lord, that you would draw them to yourself. They might know the power of canceled sin being broken over their lives. That they might... Be set free from the captivity of the evil one. They might have life in Jesus' name, we pray.